Hello and welcome to the Life of Learning podcast. I'm Justus Frank and today I'd like to talk about a topic that's really important to me and that's the dehumanization of children. Now when I say that, that of course comes across as being very, um, very emotive but there's also some things that I think are very blatant. So what I mean when I'm talking about dehumanization, it's dehumanization has occurred throughout history and in particular it has happened through things like slavery um, but has also occurred in a lot of other situations as well it's basically any time where we denigrate another human being as not being as human as us um, where we think that they're not worthy of the same respect um, that in some way they are not quite fully human. Either they, they haven't become fully human or that they are not fully human and will never become as human as we are. And we can see this all through society uh, and in particular types of society. <clears throat> For instance, the Nazis, of course, um, were quite familiar in the way that they often referred to Jews as uh, rats and as untermenschen or subhuman um, but it's not just there um, and the the Hutus and uh, the Rwanda genocide, genocide called the Tutsis uh, cockroaches and yeah so throughout human history we've people have dehumanized other people whether it's in wartime or whether it's through slavery and you know we've treated other humans um, in a way that shows that, that we think that they are less than human. Um, for instance, uh, Frederick Douglass writes about the dehumanization in slavery where uh, he says one, one instance of it was um, describing how slaves were fed um, was that the food was put into a large wooden tray or trough and then set down on the ground and then the children were called um, and basically like pigs exactly they would come and they would devour this mush um, some had oyster shells others uh, had pieces of shingles and some just with their bare hands um, they just you know shoved as much of the food as they could into them this is that he that ate fastest got most and he that was the strongest secured the best place and few left the trough satisfied um, but yeah, again, there's all sorts of things that happened in slavery in particular. Um, obviously the selling of human beings, uh, where people would, you know, slave traders would basically, uh, take, take a person and they would check over their, um, sort of attributes of that person, look at their height, um, you know, the strength of their arms and, and various things like that, um, and then basically sell them depending on uh, their different qualities or attributes as a slave. Um, there's also some, I mean, some of, some of it is absolutely atrocious. I mean, there's one, um, and, and, you know, slavery happened all over the world. It happened, uh, yes, right through in the Americas, whether South America, North America, again, right throughout history. Um, in Africa, 
and Europe and Asia, um, you know, and, and the Pacific as well. Um, it happened. It has happened globally, all around the world, and at all, um, and basically throughout history. Um, for instance, exactly the the um, Saharan slave uh, trans Saharan slave trade was uh, also a terrible one. And I was as I was looking into this this morning. I mean, uh, it's the, the Swiss explorer uh, Johann Burckhardt in 1814 wrote about his travels to Egypt and Nubia where he saw the practice of slave trading and you know he says he says things like this I frequently witnessed scenes of the most shameless indecency which the traders who were the principal actors only laughed at I may venture to state that very few female slaves who have passed their tenth year reach Egypt or Arabia in a state of virginity um, and so you can obviously imagine what the things that kind of happened there. Um, and we're very, I guess, used to hearing about uh, the slave trade and the way that it dehumanized people. And if we see people as as being subhuman, we we are, and if we label them as such, and we label them differently then that sometimes justifies um, the actions that we feel that we can take against those people. We don't like to think that we do dehumanize children. Um, one of the most, I think, obvious ways that we dehumanize children is that we feel still, yes it is changing, but still there is a, still a, a lot of people out there feel that it is okay to hit children. Um, and we say that it is okay to hit children because we are, quote, disciplining them, unquote. Um, and in particularly, we have this word uh, that we associate with children in terms of that they are being naughty. Um, where naughty basically is defined as anything that goes against the wishes of an adult. And... Yeah, and so this idea that we that it is okay to hit children um, simply because they are children and we feel that we can't actually talk to them or whatever, uh, which is was simply not true. Um, yeah, we feel that it is okay to hit hit children to make them do what we want them to do. Um, and again, this is kind of putting children into a place where um, we feel that they are not actually capable of being uh, free agents, where we feel that we must make them do things. And and this is again, and particularly whether in families or whether in schools, um, schools is another place that we tend to dehumanize children to quite a large extent. Um, we force them to wear certain uniforms, we keep them in a classroom um, where they might experience a variety of bullying, um, they're often forced to be together with, with other people who they don't necessarily want to associate with. Um, children are often shouted at or punished in some way within schools. And ultimately we also force children to learn things. Um, and put them through tests and other things 
that we think that they should learn uh, so we get them to try and learn things that we think that they should learn irrespective of whether that that person that child actually finds it useful to their own lives now this next one is i think quite a big idea and i know that not a lot of other people have talked about it and for me one of the biggest ways that we show a lack of respect for children um, and is this idea that we are preparing them for life and this idea basically that they are not really living life already and this comes across in so many ways that children are not living life as such you know they're, they're not well they're not an adult yet so you know adulthood is when life really starts and that childhood and adolescence is simply a preparation time and we see this so much within our language that they that children in a sense haven't reached full humanhood um because that we are still preparing them and we see this in particularly in uh, countless numbers of school mottos and principal introductions um you know just look on to um, your local website of the schools that, that are there and you'll probably see something about preparing uh, the children for life in the motto or in some bit of writing from the school and you know this is this is the same here in new zealand and particularly in the schools that i've worked at um the last two schools um i just a quick look onto their website and they have this wording about preparing um children so one says preparing every individual for an ever-changing world again this idea that uh that school is a preparation zone for life um as if children were not already living a life as such and that they weren't capable of already inputting into their world um another school that i worked at says um the school continues a history of excellence in preparing confident accomplished and well-balanced boys for secondary school and the future and that's kind of interesting that um it's again preparing them for, for further schooling um which is again this thing that that we feel that children need to go through these steps before they become uh, a useful member of society as such uh, another school says this from preschool to year 13 that's the uh, oldest year here in new zealand in new zealand they enjoy the ideal preparation for life beyond the school gates and there's a thing like why are we preparing them for life beyond the school gates as if the school being within the school was sort of a holding zone until you're ready to um, access the world and be part of the world and there's this thing we keep children away from society in these secluded basically areas um, where they're not as much of a disruption to the rest of society um, there's another one it is our intent that the boys who enter our school will leave as well-rounded young men who are equipped academically emotionally and ethically so they may pursue their dreams and contribute positively to their families our society and the global community 
notice again, it's our intent that the boys who enter our school will leave as well-rounded young men. So, in other words, that the school is, uh, their purpose is to create these well-rounded young men who aren't able yet um, to pursue their own dreams and contribute positively to their families and our society. But rather that by the end of the schooling that they will be ready to be able to pursue their own dreams and contribute positively to their families. And again, I, I think this is completely wrong in terms of actually children should be able to pursue their own dreams when when and whenever they they start feeling that they have dreams that they want to pursue um, and that they can contribute positively to their families from a very young age they don't need to go through a whole lot of schooling in order to be able to do that um, you know when you look at young children their their default position is often to try and be helpful whether it's putting the cutlery out onto the table or helping hang up the washing or whatever it might be um, or helping with the baking um, children want to help and they don't need to go through a whole big preparation time in order to start being helpful and attempting to help and this is just where I want to make a quick link to uh, my previous podcast which was actually on this topic of how children add to our lives and how um, children how we can learn from children and the valuable things that we can learn from children that they have meaningful things to input into our lives and if we would just take the time to be curious and uh, and to really observe and, and see what they are doing and, and the way that they are living life that we have so much um, to gain from looking at children and the way that they live life. So yeah, this is the thing, They're, that children are actually very, very important in our own learning as well and it's not just a one-way street. So there's another further one. Um, says we aim to provide a creative and well-supported learning environment where students are exposed to a multitude of experiences and opportunities to prepare them for meaningful life beyond the school gates now, that's interesting isn't it prepare them for a meaningful life beyond the school gates again what's where why are we preparing um especially for a meaningful life. Is there, is their life not already meaningful? Um, and this is the thing that, that we see children as something that we need to prepare and then, and then they can do something meaningful in the world, not seeing them as people who are already doing meaningful things. And you can find a whole lot more of these types of uh, ways that we we talk about children as though they aren't ready, as though they haven't reached full humanhood. Um, as, exactly, as if they haven't already got something meaningful that they can uh, contribute and that they aren't already 
having meaningful things that they want to do, um, dreams that they already want to pursue. And I think there are some positive changes starting to happen, but again, I want to make this very clear of, of where, I, where I stand on these things. And the fact that I, that I am pushing for, for people to recognize more and more that children are not in a state of, of um, getting ready or in a preparing state for humanhood, they are already fully human. And that they have the full desires just as an adult does. This is this video is kind of a lead into the next video that I'm going to do. And the next video is about abortion. And this is the kind of ultimate way that we dehumanize children. And it's very strong in the language that people use. Um, people will often say that a baby uh, who is still inside the womb is somehow not fully human. Um, and this is a, a major argument for that people use for abortion. Um, this way that we dehumanize children as not being fully human yet. Um, and so this is, yeah, I think it's, it's an absolutely terrible and devastating way that we think about children. This way that we dehumanize children within the womb then does also extend, I believe, and affects the way that we think about children outside of the womb and the way that we dehumanize them. Now, I know people might be thinking, hey, Eustace, it's kind of unfair putting slavery and and the way that we treat children side by side. Um, and I don't think it really is in terms of there are there were certainly aspects within slavery where you know the dehumanization wasn't at at a terribly bad level um so there, there were worse cases of dehumanization than other aspects of of slavery um so there's exactly there's just the ways that that people obviously talked about slaves there were people who treated some slaves better than others um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, the slaves weren't property still and they weren't under certain force to do certain things that they didn't necessarily want to do. Um, they were still slaves, um, but there were certainly better slave owners than other slave owners, um, that treated some slaves better. And, you know, not every slave <coughs> was, uh, necessarily you know, raped or tortured or beaten uh, to death. Um, so in terms of that, yeah, I think there's, there's and and same within the ways that we treat children. Yeah, there, there's a lot of ways that we uh, treat children that where the force isn't quite as overt, where the, where the force and, and the violence as such isn't as strong. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily wrong to point out those things as well, even though it isn't as bad as, you know, um, in the case of slavery, where people were raped and beaten to death, um, to then also say, well, you know, that's what happened under slavery, 
and when we are talking about children, similar atrocities occur in terms of the way that children are beaten, sometimes even to death, but in particular in the way that we uh, kill children outright and you know, and when you look at some of the, the practices of how um, children are aborted within the womb, you know, limbs being ripped off and various other things, and I mean, you look into some of the things that are coming out now about how uh, babies that in that were supposed to be aborted but come out alive, how they are basically taken and drowned in, in water and all sorts of things that go on. Um, you know, and, and they are heinous, absolutely heinous, immoral things, I believe, that, that we are doing to children, um, at the level of what happened to under slavery, what happened to slaves under slavery, and the way that, uh, they were made to feel pain, and the way that slaves were made to suffer, um, with those children, um, those babies, also feel pain, and they are often made to feel just as much pain, um, excruciating pains of being often ripped from limb to limb and, and the rest of it. Um, so yeah, I, I don't necessarily see the, the very extremes of slavery are also the atrocities at the extremes of slavery are equivalent to the atrocities at the extremes of abortion as well, in the ways that we treat children. And so that's why I, I'm drawing these parallels, um, because I think that the parallels are actually very apt. And throughout history, you know, um, as one article I read said, uh, regarding the way that we dehumanize humans, said it's very difficult psychologically to kill another human being up close and in cold blood, or to inflict atrocities on them. So when it does happen, it can be helpful to understand what it is that allows humans, human beings to overcome the very deep and natural inhibitions they have against treating other people like game animals or vermin or dangerous predators. And yes, yeah, so it's interesting how human beings justify basically treating babies um, in the language that, that they, we use nearly as a type of vermin, as something that is uh, attacking, um, attacking human beings, um, in particular attacking women. And that's uh, the argument that I kind of want to um, get into um, next time, where where people have made the argument that um, that a fetus, a baby, within the womb, is attacking the woman, and as such, you know, that it's nearly this this idea, yes, that it is a, a vermin, a, a parasite, a dangerous predator um, type of thing. Um, and again, that allows people to get themselves into a mindset where it seems psychologically justified in order to kill the baby. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I want to get in and to next time, uh, in the next week episode, which I will hopefully record very soon. But yeah, share your own thoughts about do we dehumanize children? Um, do you see that happening as well? 
Are there some other ways that you feel that we dehumanize children? Um, maybe ways that I haven't stated in this video. Um, do you agree that you know there there is an element of dehumanization in the things that I've brought up? Um, so yeah, again, if you have any feedback regarding that, it'd be absolutely interesting to hear. Um, and I'd like to keep this conversation going. All right. Thanks a lot for listening and watching, and we'll see you again next time. Thanks. Bye.